Okay, let's pray. Father, Lord, thank you once again for giving us the amazing, wonderful opportunity and privilege to come together, to gather together, Lord, to seek your face, Lord, to, to love you and to know you in a much deeper way. And we thank you for the worship that uh, has drawn us closer to you, Lord Jesus, and how it just brings us into your presence and how it changes our perspective. We're so thankful for that, Lord. And so, Father, I pray that you, Lord, would speak loud and clear to us today. And, Lord, I decrease that you would increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself that everything that I say and do, every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. We praise in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, if you have your Bibles or Bible app, turn to Proverbs chapter 19. We're now in part 20 of our series, Wisdom That Works. Everyone say that, Wisdom That Works. Again, Proverbs chapter 19. And we're going to cover the whole chapter, but before we even dive into the text, as always, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, which, which was all of chapter 18. I gave you five points. You might remember these. Point number one was the fool's mouth. Say that, the fool's mouth, and that's in verses 1 through 9 of chapter 18. And uh, fools only want, as Solomon says, only want to air their own opinions. They're argumentative, always getting themselves into trouble, and are greedy and hungry for gossip. The second point was the safety zone. Say that. That's in verses 10 through 12. And Solomon points out that the righteous find security in all that God is, in his name. His name is a strong tower, right? We know that. And we are to, uh, to put our trust in him, in God, and not in riches. The third point was words matter. Say that. Words matter. And that's in verses 13 through 21. Basically, that the tongue exercises the power of life and and death. And the fourth point was wonders, the wonders of a wife. The wonders of a wife, say that. That's in verse 22. Having a good wife, a wife of nobility, is a gift from God. And then in verse 23 is an observation that Solomon gives about the power of money. And the fifth point was a true friend, say that. A true friend, that's in verse 24. And Solomon there gives the contrast between two kinds of companions, those whose friends or friendship is superficial, and then the true friend who is as loyal as a brother or a sister. Someone say amen. This now brings us to today's text, and the title of my message today is Love Wisdom, Love Life. Say it not nice and loud. Love Wisdom, Love Life. Love that. Amen. Four points. If you're ready, say yes. Number one is wealth and wisdom. Say that. Wealth. And, and wisdom, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. And Solomon opens up, he, he writes this, Better a poor man whose walk is blameless, another one who, who walks in integrity, say integrity. So better a poor man whose walk is blameless, slash who's, who walks in integrity, than a fool whose lips are perverse. Now, if you find yourself, listen now, friends, if you find yourself in poverty, don't lose your integrity. Got it? That's what Solomon's saying. If you find yourself in poverty, don't lose your integrity. Follow the way of honesty, even if it ends up in financial poverty. Why? Because listen now, an honest life, say an honest life, an honest life is a better life. Right? An honest life is the best life. And so we should stand out as believers, we should stand out by living a life of integrity. Integrity is all we really have. You think about it, right? Because personal integrity is more valuable than any financial gain, and that's Solomon's point. Better whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. Verse 2, 
It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. Now, the New King James Bible says this, says it like this, and he sins, the, the latter part of that verse, verse 2, and he sins who hastens with his feet. So what this describes here, this describes a person who is in a hurry, like a runner who's going down the wrong road, going down the wrong path, because they act without sufficient knowledge. Uh, they act without weighing all the facts which can cause troubles and cause problems in their life. Now, throughout this book, and we know this, right? Throughout this book, Solomon constantly reminds us that rash decisions, listen now, rash decisions can lead to failure and disappointment. If you believe that, say amen. Now, living our lives without knowledge, if you're saved, come on, say amen. Living our lives without knowledge, without wisdom, is never a good thing, friends. We need wisdom in our lives. This is why we need to feed our soul with knowledge. We need to feed our soul. Feed, listen now, feed it with the Word of God. Get in the Word. Go through the Word. Be knowledgeable about the Word. And we need to learn about things so that we will be careful about being too hasty in our decisions. Wisdom, right, wisdom gives us, listen now, the ability to make wise decisions, right, and not rush into things. Verse 3, a man's own folly, foolishness, ruins his life. The New King James Bible renders it like this, the foolishness of a man, listen, the foolishness of a man twist, twist his way. So a man's own folly ruins his life. We could say it, the foolishness of a man twists his way. Yet his heart, listen, listen now, yet his heart rages against who? Who? The Lord. Yet his heart, so you have a man, right? A man's own folly, foolishness, ruins his life. Yet his heart rages against God. Again, this is, this is self-explanatory. This is a person who totally messes up their life and, and fails to take personal responsibility for it. They don't, take, listen, they, they don't blame themselves for their stupid decisions. Instead, they blame God. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Don't blame God for your stupidity. Can I get an amen? Don't blame God for your stupidity. Human nature seeks to blame God for our own stupid, bad, foolish choices. Right? It's not uncommon for people to get themselves into trouble, and then when they're in trouble, who do they blame? They blame others, yes, but ultimately they blame who? God. And they say, God, it's your fault. God, it's your fault. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. It's not God's fault if you're making stupid choices, stupid decisions, right? In fact, friends, wisdom keeps you from doing stupid things. This is why we need wisdom. But this is a man who just messes up and yet doesn't take personal responsibility for it, and he blames God for it. It's not God's fault. Verse 4, wealth brings or attracts many friends. I want, to I want to stop there. Wealth, in other words, Solomon's saying wealth buys friends. We see this in someone who wins the lottery, don't we? Right? Wealth buys friends. And what he's saying is, is not realizing that friendship grounded in wealth is unreliable. But, here's a contrast, a poor man's friend deserts him. In other words, those who are poor often find themselves shunned and sneered 
at others or by others because they have nothing. Poor, poor people have nothing to give, so there's no friends around. The bottom line is this. When you're rich, everybody loves you, right? When you're rich, everybody wants to be your friend, but when you're poor, everybody deserts you because you have nothing to give. And this reminds me, as I was doing my studies, this reminds me of the prodigal son. We know the story, right? He takes all of his wealth, goes, parties up, has all his friends with him, but the moment he loses his riches, his wealth, he has no one. He finds himself in a pigsty, feeding pigs. So wealth and wisdom say that. Number two is deceivers and liars. Deceivers and liars. That's point number two. Look at verse five with me. Solomon writes, a false witness will not go unpunished. And he who pours out lies will not go free. Solomon's warning is very, very literal here. This is serious business. Now, in modern terminology, lying to an official court is called what? Perjury, right? Perjury. And it's treated as a crime in and of, in and of itself. However, the principle here, friends, applies generally to anyone who slanders another, or anyone who tells lies. The fact is this, sooner or later, consequences are going to come. And this is the law of the harvest, right? What you sow is what you what? Reap. Now, once you write this down, Matthew chapter 12, Matthew 12, verses 36 to 37, and I'm going to read it to you. And Jesus is speaking here. He says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, Jesus says, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So what Jesus is saying here, what he's doing, Jesus is condemning false and harmful words. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? There's no such thing as a successful liar. And we got to get this. We got to get this, right? There is no such thing as a successful liar. Ultimately, friends, the liar will get caught in their own web of deceit. They will not escape. The Bible is very clear that our sin will find us out. Question, who is the father of lies? The Bible is clear. It's Satan himself, right? The devil. Now listen, knowing that, listen now, listen now. We are never more like Satan than when we lie. When you lie, you're never more like the devil, right? When you tell the truth, you're never more like Christ. Got it? Verses 6, 7, many curry favor with the ruler. So I want to stop there. What they're doing is they're praising the ruler, whoever it might be, a king, whoever, but only because they want him to support them. This is called flattery. Flattery. Then he says, and everyone is a friend of a man, speaking of a rich person who gives gifts. So the statement that everyone is rich is a rich person's friend comes in the context that we just explained earlier, right? Uh, we're noting that friendship grounded in wealth is unreliable. They only want to be your friends because you're rich. Verse 7, the poor man is shunned by all his relatives. That's sad. How much more do his friends avoid him? Though he pursues them with pleading, they are nowhere to be found. So what Solomon's saying to be poor is often to be rejected by others, even by family and even by friends. You see, in the ancient world, earthly wealth, and you got to get this, earthly wealth was seen as a gauge of a person's divine approval 
And it was common to assume that those who were rich deserved that status. And that the poor were disliked by the gods. Well, Jesus, and I love this about Jesus, Jesus' treatment of the poor was drastically different. Can I, can I get an amen? So I want you to follow me here. In Luke chapter 4, verse 17 through 19, Luke chapter 4, verses 17 through 19, Jesus read a passage of Scripture there in the synagogue that explained how he had come to proclaim the good news to who? The poor. You guys got that? In Luke chapter 14, verse 13, he instructed, but when you give a feast, invite the poor. Did you guys get that? The crippled, the lame, and the blind. In Luke chapter 18, verse 22, 18, verse 22, he told a, he told a self-righteous, rich young ruler to sell all that he had and give it to who? The poor. The poor. Jesus treated the poor people differently, and we should as well. We should have a heart for poor people. Can I get an amen? Verses 8 and 9, he who gets wisdom, I love this one. He who, he who gets wisdom loves his or her own soul. He or, he, or, he or her who cherishes or keeps, the word keeps, understanding prospers. I love that. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who cherishes or keeps understanding prosper. Wisdom is a good thing. I mean, we've been in this book how many weeks now? Months now, should I say? Many, right? Okay. And so we understand that wisdom is a good thing. Wisdom is good for the soul. You know what wisdom is? It's soul food. Say it's soul food. You're taking care of your soul. What you're doing is you're nourishing your soul. And if you're wise, listen, if you're wise, then you will benefit from the wisdom you have. You're feeding, nourishing your soul. If you're safe, say amen. Wisdom improves your whole life. It's better than wealth. It's better than fame. And wisdom teaches us to respect God and enables us to make wise, spiritually discerned decisions. Now, I want you to notice wisdom isn't just something, something to get. It's also something to keep. And you see, pursuing, practicing, keeping wisdom is the right way to love your soul. It's seeking everlasting good and valuing, listen now, the eternal. Now, let's go back to the text. He or she who gets wisdom loves his or her own what? Soul. Now, this may sound self-serving, right? Loves their own soul. Okay? We, we should love our own soul. We shouldn't be in love with our own soul, right? But we should love our soul. Got it? And it may sound self-serving, but the fact is that we are responsible for ourselves more than we are anyone else. So I want you to follow me here. If we are not taking care of our, of our, of our soul, if we are not nourishing it by being in God's Word daily, then we'll, we'll be of no good to ourselves, therefore no good to others. Are you guys with me? So we should daily be feeding our souls with the Word of God through personal time with Him, reading, through Bible study, being in church on Sunday, being fed the Word of God. You need to love your own soul. And if you do, friends, you will feed it with the Word of God. Amen? So that, listen now, so that you're good to live your life and good to be a blessing to others. Verse 9, a false witness will not go unpunished. 
And he who pours out lies will perish. So this is similar to verse 5, but with a more drastic conclusion. And the person's, listen, the person's death is the punishment for their evil words. Wow. So here's a lesson. And this has been a reoccurring lesson in the, in the book of Proverbs. Here we go. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. God wants us to be, hey, if you're safe, say amen. Come on. God wants us to be people of truth. To tell the truth, the whole truth, and what? Nothing but the truth. And when we are filled with truth, when we are filled with truth, then we are truthful. Being truth-filled means we are truthful. Whatever you have in comes out, and if it's truth, it's going to come out what you say is true. Amen? Say wealth and wisdom. Say deceivers and liars. Number three is fools, kings, and family. Fools, kings, and family. Verses 10 through 12. It is not fitting for a fool to live in luxury. Now I want to stop there. This doesn't mean immoral or unwise people cannot become wealthy. But when they do, when they do, it's not a good sight. And we see this all the time, right? Instead of using their wealth and their luxurious belongings to honor God and glorify God, they squander everything, perhaps believes what they possess makes them secure. And he says, how much worse for a slave to rule over princes? Well, servants and slaves of the ancient world were not necessarily equipped to suddenly take on large-scale leadership. Here, what Psalm's saying here is skills, not class, skills, not class, are in mind in this proverb. So a servant, a slave, didn't have the know-how to be a leader. Verse 11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. Now we could spend all day here. This is a wonderful portion of Scripture here. A man's wisdom gives him patience. It is to his glory to overlook an offense. The New King James Bible renders it like this. The discretion of a man makes him slow, say slow, to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. So this verse honors the quality of being slow to lose one's temper. You see, one, one, of the, one of the marks of maturity, one of the marks of wisdom is the ability to overlook an offense. You guys with me? The ability to, listen, of ignoring insults because you're not overly sensitive. That's wisdom. That's maturity. Get this. And I want you to get this. By being wise, being wise denies the enemy, the enemy, the pleasure of seeing us angry and seeing us vengeful. Right? You see, it's far more honorable to ignore insults, insults than to overreact to them. I know it's easier said than done. Right? But when someone tries, when someone is doing something that's, that's kind of getting you upset, it's better to say, just say, forget it, let it go, walk away. Right? Don't overreact to it. Listen, when we start getting mad at someone, we given, you gotta get this, we've given them permission to control us. We've given them permission to determine how you and I, how we respond. If you're safe, say amen. We are not supposed to give ourselves over to someone else's control. We are supposed to give ourselves over to the Holy Spirit's control. Right? So we have a choice. When you're in that situation where someone's getting you angry or, or does something to you, 
You have a choice to get angry back, lose your temper, allow them to control you, or submit to the Holy Spirit and just walk away and do the right godly thing. Can I get an amen? Verse 12, a king's rage is like the roar of a lion, but his favor is like dew on the grass. Solomon's saying when a king is angry, he's dangerous. Watch out, like a lion. Stay away from him. But he also says a king can be calm and quiet like dew on the grass. Now, I want, you, I want to remind you what Solomon said back in chapter 16 of Proverbs, verse 14, where he said this, King's wrath is a messenger of death. A king's wrath is a messenger of death. But a wise, say wise, man or woman will appease it. In other words, use tact. Solomon's saying use tact when approaching the powerful. And you and I as believers, we need to be careful how we respond to those in power. Don't rattle the cage. Are you guys with me? Don't poke the bear. Got it? Verses 13 and 14. A foolish son is his father's ruin. A foolish son, foolish daughter is his father's ruin. I want to stop there. It it is heartbreaking as a parent, to have a foolish son or daughter, right? And many of us here, including me, are dealing with the pain of watching our children pursue foolish, ungodly paths. If that's you, I'm there with you, you know? And what it does is that when we see our children pursuing ungodly paths and, and, and things, what it does, friends, is, is it ruins us emotionally. It does. It takes a toll on us emotionally. A foolish son, daughter is his father's ruin. If that's you, we just, it's, it's, I'm there. I mean, I, I understand this. We need to pray for each other, and we need to pray for our kids. A foolish son is his father's ruin. And then what Solomon, listen to what Solomon says, a quarrelsome slash nagging wife is like the constant dripping. The Hebrew word used here is a reference to arguments, stress, bickering, nagging. Got it? And the imagery here implies something like a leak in a roof, a constant drip, 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 drip of negativity, arguing, drip, 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 criticism, drip, 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 nagging. That's what he's saying. Now, I was going to say a joke, but I said no, because I don't want the women to get mad at me. I want to be your pastor and your friend. Okay? Solomon's saying there are two things that make a man very unhappy. A foolish child and a difficult, annoying wife. Listen, listen, if you're married, say amen. Ladies, ladies, just tell him once and walk away. Okay, got it? Don't drip, drip, drip. Ay, Dios mío, Lord Jesus. Right? Verse 14, houses and wealth. I love this, how, how he changes here. Houses, houses and wealth are inherited from parents, so there are, he's saying there are good things a man may receive as an inheritance, including material things such as houses and riches. And then I love what he does here. 
After, after he talks about a, a nagging wife, he says, but a prudent wife. A prudent wife. In other words, a wife of good judgment, a wife who has sound wisdom is from the Lord. Solomon's wise, <laughs> right? A wife of good judgment, of wisdom, is a, listen, a greater gift than houses and riches. And all the ladies said, Back in chapter 18 of Proverbs, verse 22. Chapter 18, verse 22. We just covered this last week. Solomon says, he who finds a wife finds what? What is good? A wife of nobility and receives favor from the Lord. Got it? And so, guys, this is men. You find a wife, a good wife, a wife of nobility, you receive favor from God. And a prudent wife is from the Lord. Someone say amen. Say, say wealth and wisdom. Say deceivers and liars. Say fools, kings, and family. And number four, here we go. We're going to spend more time here, the rest of our time here. Laziness and life. Laziness and life. Look at verse 15 with me. Laziness, <laughs> laziness brings on deep sleep. I want to stop there, okay? In other words, he's saying laziness leads to more laziness, sending a lazy person into a deep sleep. In other words, the more you sleep, the more you sleep, the more you sleep, the more you become lazy. Then he says, and the shiftless man or person, an idle person, goes hungry. So this attitude puts a person at great risk of what? Of poverty poverty, and, and, and hunger. And, and, and I love this. You know, we know about Paul, right? Paul understood the sacredness of work and the sin of slothfulness. And Paul, he advised the church in Thessalonica to, uh, to exclude giving handouts to those who were capable of work yet chose not to work out of laziness. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says this, if anyone is not willing, not willing, he's not talking about people who cannot work, just folks who cannot work. But someone, anyone who is not willing to work, who can work, not willing to work, let him not eat. Wow. Don't we need that verse today? Huh? Listen, by sleeping instead of working, you end up with nothing for yourself and nothing for your family. Don't be lazy. Got it? Don't be slothful. Verses 16 through 17, he who obeys instruction, I love this, guards or keeps his life. I'm going to read that again because there should be a, a really loud amen. He who guard, obeys instruction, obeys instruction, the word of God guards, keeps his or her life. Amen. Okay. <laughs> this is the person who walks in obedience to God's word, and in doing so, he or she guards, keeps their life. Obedience to God's commands is, listen now, is the path of life. Now, if you're safe, say amen. Aligning our behavior with God's word keeps us from destructive situations. And what it does, it helps us stay clear of immoral situations that could drag us down spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically. Right? When we obey God's word, his word, we enjoy a more peaceful, fruitful, favored life. Can I get an amen? Solomon says this, but he who is contemptuous of his ways will die. You see, those who care nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing about obeying God's word pursue a dangerous, destructive path. 
Listen, to abandon wisdom, to abandon wisdom and live careless in our ways, what Solomon's saying is to invite death. Verse 17, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. Solomon's saying if you help a poor person, expressing your love and uh, compassion and pity towards them, you're not wasting your money, you're not wasting your time. Right? You know what this does when you're kind to the poor? This blesses the heart of God because he has a heart for the poor. If you read Scripture, you know he has a heart for the poor. And God, and when you, listen, when you, when you have a heart for the poor, when you give to the poor, God will certainly pay back what we give in compassion to the poor. Right? He will take care of paying back the debt. So here's the lesson. Here's the lesson. Okay, God rewards those who show compassion to the poor. Very simple lesson here. God promises that you and I will never be the loser for generous and compassionate giving. You will never lose when you do that. Are you guys with me? Now, I want to make it very clear that the promise of reward doesn't necessarily mean that God will reward us financially. It could be, but not just that. It could be spiritual blessings, such as peace and joy and contentment. I don't know about you, friends, but, you know, my parents have taught me to bless the poor. When I see someone who's legitimately poor, legitimately, and I bless them, I don't really care for financial blessing in return. When I, when I bless them, I just feel so much peace and contentment and joy in my heart. And sometimes you won't get back money. It won't be a financial blessing, but it could be just the joy that you have and the peace that you have, right? And the contentment that you have in your life. Verses 18 through 26. Verse 18, discipline. Speaking about loving, loving discipline. He says, discipline is chastened, instruction, admonish. Talking about loving discipline. Discipline, lovingly discipline your son, your children. For in that there is hope. This is what he says. Do not be a willing party to his or her death. Hey, one of the toughest things, come on parents, one of the toughest things about raising children is learning to be firm in our discipline. Isn't it? Children cannot raise themselves. They can't, friends. They need parents to guide them, to teach them, and discipline them. In fact, friends, the best time to shape your children's behavior is when they're young. And this requires discipline. Someone said this. This is heavy. Train a child from the time he is in the playpen so he will stay out of the state pen. Listen, parents, a child left without discipline. A child who's not disciplined grows into an adult without respect for authority. They may also struggle with self-control, struggle with decision-making. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to discipline. Lovingly, lovingly discipline, not punish. Lovingly discipline your children because you may save them from a much worse punishment down the line. Someone said this, it, it is far better that we, excuse me, it is far better that the child should cry under healthy correction 
than that parents should later cry under the bitter fruit to themselves and their children of neglected discipline. Parents, we are commanded by God to discipline our children. doesn't guarantee they'll turn out great. But the thing is, if you discipline them, you can sleep well at nights that I did what God called me to do. Amen? Verse 19, a hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. So this is a picture of someone getting into trouble and going to court and being fined. Because we know, right, we know this hot-tempered people end up paying for their temper. So Solomon says a hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. This This is what he says. If you rescue him, you will have to do it again. You see, since the, this person cannot control their temper, they will constantly run into trouble. So to rescue them once, in other words, pay for their fine the first time, is not enough. You'll have to do it over and over again, but don't do it. Don't do it. Because this person needs to taste the consequences of their short temper. they got to learn. Quit bailing them out. Can someone say Amen. Verse 20, listen to advice and accept instruction slash discipline, correction. And in the end, you will be wise. One of the marks of a wise person is teachability. One who learns, one who's corrected, one who wants and desires to be disciplined. One who learns from others. And who doesn't just listen to the advice of others and receives instruction, but listen now, this is key, but puts it into what? Practice. Say practice. Which leads, Solomon's saying, which leads to a wiser future. Got it? Verse 21. Many are the plans in a, in a person or a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And Solomon, we know this, was well aware and wise enough to know that human plans are never guaranteed to work out. Now, now we should make plans. There's nothing wrong with making plans. Okay, that's why God gave us a brain. Got it? Nothing wrong with making plans, nothing wrong with that, but we need to make sure that as we make our plans, you and I, as we make our plans, we make them seeking God's wisdom and will through his word, through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and through prayer. And by the way, friends, prayer and planning go hand in hand. Whenever you decide to make a decision, friends, you need to seek God, right, through his word, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, through prayer, and, and, and many times God will lead you to wise counsel. If you're safe, say amen. And by the way, let me say this. When you pray, agonize before you organize. Got it? Agonize in prayer before you organize, make decisions. Every plan, listen now, should be made with an appreciation. I love this. An appreciation of God's overall wisdom, God's work, and God's will. In other words, God, I want what you want. I mean, can we really say that? God, I want what you want because I know what you want for me is the best possible outcome for me in my life. I want your will. Hey, do you want to make wise decisions where you know you'll be blessed? Do you? Then we must want what God wants for our lives because only the plans approved by God will be blessed. So seek his will in your planning. Seek his will in your planning. Christians, I'm amazed at Christians who don't do that. 
They make decisions, rash decisions based on their feelings and not based on God's word, God's spirit, prayer, and also seeking counsel of the wise. Seek God. Verse 22, what a man desires is unfailing love. That could also be rendered as kindness, say kindness. And we know that kindness is what? Goodness in action, love in action. What is attractive in, 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 in a person is kindness, isn't it? Right? And we desire to see and we are attracted to someone who is kind. And you know what's lacking in our culture today? Kindness. You ever, you ever notice wherever you go, most people are rude, don't care, disrespectful, right? And we of all people, the Christians, we should be the ones who are kind. We should be kind. We need that. We should stand out by showing kindness. If someone's rude to you, show them kindness. If someone ignores you, show them kindness. Right? What a man desires is unfailing love, kindness. Then he says it's better to be poor than a liar. In other words, a loving, kind person, poor person, is better than an unfaithful person with no love for others, no kindness for others. This world needs to see that we Christians are kind. Verse 23, the fear of the Lord. We know that that's respecting, revering, right? Honoring God for who he is. He's God and we're not. The fear of the Lord leads to what? Life. And he says this, then one rests contentment. In other words, the one who rests in, God's, in God exhibits a sense of contentment and security. Then he says this, untouched by trouble. So let's read that whole verse together. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Now let me tell you what this is not saying. This is not saying that Christians live a trouble-free life. We know that, right? We don't live a trouble-free life. What it's saying is that no circumstance, you got to get this, I don't know what you're going through, but no circumstance, no situation, no hardship will have its ultimate gain, ultimate effect, ultimate victory in your life. Someone say amen to that. Even when calamity strikes, we will have peace. Got it? That's what it's saying. That whatever comes my way, whatever is hurtful that comes my way, it's not going to have its ultimate victory in my life. I can stand in peace. It's 24, the sluggard buries his hand in the dish. Did you get that? He will not even bring it back to his mouth. So picture this. There's this guy, he's so lazy, this gal, she's so lazy that they, they put their spoon in the dish and they can't even bring it up because they're so lazy to feed themselves. Did you get that? No, you don't care enough to see to it that you can even feed yourself. But I want to say this. This could also mean someone who starts a project but has so little so little energy and initiative to complete it. And, and there's people like that. They start something, they don't finish it. Listen, laziness isn't just unattractive. Laziness is harmful and dangerous. Are you guys with me? 25, flog a mocker slash scoffer, and the simple will learn prudence 
Then he says this, rebuke, in other words, correct, a discerning man, in other words, a man of understanding, and he will gain knowledge. So I want to put it this way. The simple-minded, what he's saying, paraphrase this, the simple-minded may require, may require the example of punishment. They may require that. But the person of understanding doesn't require physical force in order to learn, only instruction. In other words, you tell them to do something, you tell them this the way it is, they get the point. Got it? Good. Verse 26. He who robs or mistreats his father and drives out his mother is a son or daughter who brings shame and disgrace. This is a son, this is a daughter who does the complete opposite of what Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 commands. And that is to honor your father and mother. Did you get that? To honor your father and mother. Say that. To honor your father. It doesn't say to honor your father and mother unless they do this or that. To honor your father and mother unless they're good to you. To honor your father and mother if, you know, they're cool. No. Honor your father and mother, period. You guys with me? Well, well I, I can't honor my father or my mother because, you know, they're, they've been bad to me. They're, they're rude to me. They haven't been supporting me. They, they don't understand me. Listen, he's telling you to honor their position, not their personality. And you may not like their personality, what they do to you, but you are required by God through his word to honor their position. You guys with me? We are to honor our father and mother. And Solomon says, the child who abuses his parents is a disgrace. Chapter 30, verse 11 of Proverbs. Write that down. Chapter 30, verse 11. You can turn to it. It's up to you. He says there is a generation, listen what he says, that curses its father and does not bless its mother. We are living in that generation right now. Aren't we? I am blown away of the way children today, just go to the mall, wherever you're at, you see some of these little kids disrespecting their parents. And I'm like, oh, just give me, oh, man. Right? This generation is so disrespectful to authority and to their parents. Here's the lesson. Speak with respect to our parents. And not just to those who are young, because look, at I'm, I'm 60 years old. My mom's still alive. And some of you right now, you know, you might be Later on in your age, with a mom or father who's still alive, you are to respect them. Amen? And I know, I know, I know, you know, as they get older, they can't hear as well. They got, you got to repeat yourself. They forget things. That's just the way it is. But don't be harsh with them. I'm not going to tell you again. This is what I'm telling you. you know, no, you don't do that. You love them. Respect them. Can I get an amen? Speak with respect. Honor to your parents. Verses 27, 29 through 29, we're almost wrapping this up. Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Solomon continued to give wisdom to his children. That was his heart. 
And he warned them of the danger of ceasing to listen to instruction, ceasing to listen to wisdom, ceasing to listen to the commands of God's word. And Solomon's like, continue, guys. Listen, son, daughter, my children, continue growing in the essentials that you have learned from me and don't veer from them to avoid them and stay away from them will lead you away from the truth. Solomon wanted them to, to take what he taught them, take it to heart, that it would guide their life. If you're safe, say amen. Believers, don't listen to anything, anything, say anything, that will pull you away from God's Word. Perhaps there's some stuff in your life right now you've got to cut loose because it's pulling you away from God's Word. Verse 28, a corrupt witness mocks at justice. So this is a person who's not concerned nor committed to truth. And sadly, we live in a culture where telling the truth doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter anymore. Then he says, and the mouth of the wicked gulps down evil. Wow. In other words, they love it. The, the evil, they love it. They love it so much that they devour it. They, in other words, they have an appetite for it. They gulp down evil. Verse 29, we're almost done here. Penalties are prepared for mockers slash scoffers and beatings for the backs of fools. Now, I want to say this. Even if the punishment won't deter them, it's deserved. Got it? Listen, sometimes, we know this right, evil people avoid punishment in this world, but they cannot and they will not escape from God. Right? Because how they live and what they do puts them at odds with God. Who? God. God who will hold them accountable. And they will be punished ultimately by God. Punishment, in other words, punishment, what Solomon is saying, punishment is prepared for them. And I don't know about you, but I thank God I'm saved. Amen? So let me ask you this. Do you love God? And here, here's the whole thing here. If we love God, if we truly love God, and we seek God, and we want to be filled with God's Word every day. We just, we just want to follow God. If we love God, then we love wisdom. If we love wisdom, we love life. Because God is a giver of wisdom and life. Amen? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you.